0: You're now listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church Audio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Our message today was preached by our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Laird. Have a listen. We are starting a new series today called Your Kingdom Come. And I've been, I've been looking uh, looking to do this series for a while. It's been building in me, so I'm going to just unleash it over the next few weeks. Your kingdom come. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Say it with me. Stop right there. That's the part we're just staying right there. Your kingdom come. Jesus taught us to pray that. He said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done. And I think we get the, the will part, but what does it mean? What does it really mean to pray your kingdom come? What is Jesus thinking? What, what point is he trying to make? He, the Lord's Prayer, it's a great prayer to pray, but it's not just a prayer to pray, it's actually a pattern to pray, right? He, he didn't say pray these exact words. It's not a bad prayer to pray with. It's lovely to pray. But he's saying, pray like this, right? Our Father. So he says, start your prayers by recognizing that you have an intimate relationship. He loves you. He's your dad. Start that way, right? And then start with, you know, this and this and this and and then, and then this and then this. And, but one of the things he says, the first half of the Lord's Prayer is all God-directed. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then it switches. The second half is then is then give me my daily bread. Give me, help me to overcome temptation. Then it switches. So you see the pattern that he sets is begin your prayers with this understanding of intimacy. That you have a father who loves you and is for you, not against you. And begin to pray his will, his kingdom. Don't just jump. See, this is what we do oh God, give me, help me, bless me, strengthen me, heal me, and we jump right to the second half of the prayer. hmm come on. But he's saying, no, 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 the pattern is you missed the first half, right? We want to get aligned in the first half, and then we start pouring out to God our, our, our needs and our wounds and our hurts and our, and our weakness and all these things. So it's a very interesting prayer, uh, I'm not going to totally get into it, but there's, that's a, a, a one-minute synopsis. I want to talk about your kingdom come. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be looking at Luke chapter 17. It'll be on the screen. Just want to read two verses, verse 20 and 21. It says this, One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. A really cool, cool verse. So Jesus teaches us to pray to the Father, your kingdom come. What does he mean? Well, I was looking through scripture in prep for this week, And kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, they're really interchangeable terms. There's a a, a negligible difference. It's, It's mentioned just in the gospels alone 70 times, 70. Jesus' first message that he ever gave, his first message was actually on the kingdom. His first words in his first official message was about the kingdom. It was this ongoing theme of his teaching He said, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is, the kingdom of God will, the kingdom of God is like, and he would go on and on and on about the kingdom. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, uh, some of those stories, but the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, it was this ongoing theme of his teaching. And uh, I mean, the the basic understanding is this, that the, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is the rule and the reign of God over somebody's life. It's, or, or it's actually, it's life as God intended it to be. The kingdom of God is life exactly the way God intended it to be before sin came into the world, before everything was ruined and destroyed. When the world was perfect, when it was sinless, that is the kingdom. That is what heaven is like. We, we see words, Paul talked about the kingdom of Again and again and again through all the New Testament, right? He says to the Romans, the kingdom of God is right righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom. And, he, and people would talk about the qualities, the characteristics of the kingdom. What's the kingdom like? And, they, and And it goes on and on and on through scripture. It's rich with teaching and references to the kingdom. We've talked about this before, but this is one of those, those paradox moments again. The kingdom is a paradox because Jesus talks about it in, in basic two basic ways. He talks about it as something that has arrived, and he talks about it as something that is yet to be. So how can something be and not yet be? It's a little bit of a paradox, right? We are weak, but we are strong. It's it's one of those types of things, and so uh, theologians have come up with all kinds of various ways to describe it. But you might have heard those of you who've been in church for a while. I think it was George Ladd who said this phrase back in the '70s. I think he said, "The kingdom is already, but not yet." How many have heard that phrase? No. Thanks, honey. Did you hear it from me? Yeah. Uh, well, you've heard it now, all right? The kingdom is already, but not yet, and that is one of the ways that people try to explain the paradox that it is. So let's just walk this through today as we introduce this uh, this uh, series. The kingdom of God has arrived, so it's here. It's already. Jesus says, we just read in Luke chapter 17. He says. The kingdom has arrived. They said, when will the kingdom come? And he said, it is among you. It is here. It is come. He says, whatever translation you look. But the, but the point is clear. It is here, right here, right now. It is among you. He, he actually said that it started when John the Baptist started preaching. That's what he said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. He said, and from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. This is a really cool verse and we're going to talk about this verse next week. But I'm going to save it until then. But my point for this week is the it, Jesus is talking and he says listen from the time of John the Baptist when he began to preach until now he says the kingdom is here it's been it's been forcefully advancing. Yeah, people are attacking it, but it's been advancing. So Jesus says it arrived then, that it started, that something uniquely happened when he arrived and John the Baptist arrived, that the kingdom began to advance. Jesus says that this kingdom can't be detected by visible signs. You see, the Jews were all looking for their anticipated Messiah. They still are, by the way, and they're looking for their Messiah to come, they're looking for this Messiah to come and set up his kingdom. So they were looking for all these visible signs that when Messiah would come, Rome would be conquered, uh, Israel would be set free, all of their enemies would be defeated, and then an earthly kingdom would be set up, and that Messiah would rule and reign. And Jesus is trying to correct their understanding here. He says, listen, listen, it's not coming that way. It's not coming the way you think. It's not coming with these visible signs that you're waiting for. It is here among you. It is here among you right now, he says. And he was blowing their minds, right? They can't comprehend something like that. He is the arrival of the kingdom. He is the king of the kingdom. And his name is? And he will not overthrow the Romans right now, he's saying. And he will not set up his earthly kingdom. Not yet. But the kingdom is here. Getting the paradox? Matthew chapter 12. Look at this. Verse 22. Then a demon possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts, and he replied, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he's divided and fighting against himself, and his own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too. So they're going to contemn you for what you said. But if I am casting out demons, but this is what he says, but if I am casting out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived. It is among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Come on, and his name is? Someone who can tie him up and then come plunder his house. This is what he's doing. This is the kingdom. He's saying, Jesus is, look, he's saying, if I'm casting out demons by the power of the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is arrived among you. It is here. I'm doing battle with Satan. Jesus is doing the battle. He's plundering the strong man's house. He's going, look, this, this man that was demon-possessed that couldn't see and couldn't speak, he comes and he frees the man and he rescues the man and says, listen, this is the power of God's kingdom already at work among you. I am stronger than the strong man. I go into his house and I take his stuff. You know, take back what he stole from me, Right? This is what he's saying, right? The kingdom of God is now. I'm going to go into the strong man's house, and I'm going to take back. I'm going to plunder his house, and he can't stop me. He may not like it. He's going to moan. He's going to whine. He's going to huff. He's going to puff. But I'm going to walk in, and I'm going to take back what is rightfully mine, and I'm going to set this man free. He is like the, the forceful teaching that he's giving here to the Pharisees is absolutely mind-boggling. He, he speaks with such authority and such power. They, they didn't know how to handle him. So the kingdom has arrived. We've got to keep moving. But, so, but the kingdom of God has not arrived. He also talks about it in that way. Matthew 25 is just one example, but he, this is Jesus speaking. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. So Jesus is, we know that he's gonna die on a cross, We know that he's about to defeat the power of the enemy. He's going to be the savior and and the ruler of the world, but he's going to go back to heaven. He's saying for some time, And, and, and some time will go by before he comes back. And when he comes back, he's going to set up his kingdom. When he comes back, all these things are going to happen. And so he's referring to a time clearly in the future. He's saying the kingdom has arrived. And then the other hand, he's saying, but the kingdom is still yet to come. And it's, it's this beautiful, wonderful paradox. On one hand, it's here. On the other hand, it, it is still yet to be. So understanding this concept. So, so you're saying, okay, that's wonderful, but who cares? Why does this matter? So what? It matters for a, a number of reasons. And let me, let me unpack that a little bit. Understanding the concept of this already, but not yet kingdom, it's important on, on, for a lot of different reasons. But here's a couple: if we think that the kingdom is just about the future, and see, here's the here's the the flaw in our thinking. When someone says to you the kingdom of God, most church people think of something in the future, right? No lion in church. You tend to think future, right? You do. When I say the kingdom, you start thinking about heaven, glorious, walking on the golden streets, playing harps, floating on clouds, you know all the great things you know so uh heaven's not going to be like that by the way. We should do a series on heaven i''m, I'm I got to do that one day too but but we think about heaven, but when we when we when we to understand that the kingdom is Already and, and and still to come is important because if we just think about it as a future thing, this is what happens: people can see their salvation basically as a spiritual plane ticket to heaven. It's a, it's just a ride out of here, and so we just need to endure this world, hang on amongst the evil that's all around us, and wait for our lucky number to be called up yonder. Right? We're not. We're, this this is not what we're called to do. It's not who we're called to be. And if we take this kingdom stuff future and think about it too hard and let it go to, to its, natural, uh, you know, its natural end, we, we can become like that. And I think at times and pockets of the church have become like that, so insular. We just come in and huddle, we cocoon, and we say, we have to just hang on for the evil is all around us. Just wait for God to come and rescue us, right? This is what happens when we think that the kingdom is only future. See, but if we think the kingdom, the other extreme would be if you think the kingdom is just for now, then you, you rob yourself of the great hope. You rob yourself of the joy and the beauty and the wonder of thinking about all that awaits those who love the Lord. There's a strength in that and an encouragement and a comfort, the Bible says, in thinking about what, yet, what is yet to come. When I look around the world, there's some days when I'm having a bad day and I just go, come, Lord Jesus. I'm ready right here, right now. Like, beam me up, Scotty. I am ready to go. You ever had days like that? But this is too extreme. Although I would love it some days, see, we have this responsibility. Jesus said, "Pray to the Father, Your Kingdom come." Start your prayers focused on God, Your Kingdom, Your will. Why is He say it? Why, why is it important that that all these things are a balance for us? That we have a responsibility now, here and now, to represent him and to serve him while we're here waiting for the full measure of the kingdom to arrive. We have a job to do. We have a calling on our lives. We are representatives, ambassadors, instruments in the hands of God. We don't cower from evil, but we forcefully walk it out and fight. It is a battle, the Bible says, Right? We don't just hide, we actually go out and fight. That's that's fighting words. But that's how it talks. That's how how it explains it. Like the powers and the qualities and the characteristics of God's kingdom can break through into this world. So when you pray your kingdom come, it's a, it's a now and a future prayer, right? It's, a both, it's both at the same time. You say, Lord, your kingdom come in this situation, Lord, in my children's lives for this man who needs salvation, freedom, break addiction, Lord, miracles. This is the characteristic and the quality of heaven. And when something like that happens here, it means that God's kingdom has broken in, right? So we're saying, your kingdom come. We all have situations where, Lord, we need your kingdom to come. The quality, the power, the joy, the peace, the righteousness, we need that to break in. It is now. But may we see and experience the beauty and the power and the characteristics of your kingdom come right now here on earth. But it's also this longing that should be deep in the heart of a believer for the fulfillment of everything that God has planned. It it is in us. When we get to know him and the more we understand the word and as we grow and mature in Christ, there becomes a deep longing. You feel it, don't you? A deep longing inside to be with Jesus for the full consummation of the kingdom to arrive. There's something joyous about that thought. Look what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, where he talks something about this. He says, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up until the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. He's saying all of nature, even the earth itself knows that it's not meant to be this way, and it groans to be released. And he's saying believers have that same earn, that same urge, that same, uh, that same groan in us, that we look around and we say, even so come, Lord Jesus. That's in us. Nature longs to be released, and so do we. And one great day, my friends, we're going to see it. We're going to see it. I always hope that, it, I always hope that one day we'll just be in church And we'll just leave altogether. You know, like Enoch walked with God, went for a walk with God, and then the word says, and he was no more. God just says, let's walk. And as he walked, he just, here's a ladder. Let's just go up. And off he goes, you know. It was like, I don't want to, I think that day is going to be a great day. But I I can't take the time to talk about it. But it's going to be a great day. The kingdom has arrived and is yet to come. So, this kingdom is the rule and the reign of Jesus. It is life the way that God intended it to be. And, but here's the thing, Jesus says it's abundant life, right? I've, I've come to give you abundant life. A, a life is the kingdom, salvation, entrance into the kingdom. And so, But to experience this abundant life that God has for us, we have to experience his rule and his reign in our lives right? If he's not king, if we're not in the kingdom, then we don't get the benefits of the kingdom, correct? So this is what he's saying. Kingdom citizenship is limited, is limited, limited, important word, to those who know the king. Jesus said the road is narrow and few will find it. Not everybody finds it, but the kingdom, he says, is limited to those who know the King. Jesus talks about it in so many different ways. And here's a few things as we, as we just wrap up today. It's, it's like a, it's a multidimensional look. So first he says this, you'll see it in your notes uh, if you're following along. First, he refers to the kingdom as a person, meaning himself, Jesus. So he says, what Jesus says to the Pharisees, the kingdom is among you. He's saying, da, 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 I am here here I am. The kingdom is here. The kingdom has arrived. Look at the qualities and the power of the kingdom following me around where the blind eyes are seeing, the lame are walking. When John says, are you the one or should we wait for someone else when he was in prison? Jesus doesn't say, yeah, I'm the one. He says, go and tell John what you see. The blind are seeing, the lame are walking. The demon-possessed are being set free, and the gospel is being preached. Kingdom has arrived. It's breaking through. John got it. The kingdom as a person, it's Jesus. Open your eyes, he's saying. Look at him right here in front of you. The long-awaited king has finally arrived. Matthew chapter 16 put that up for me. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, here's the ultimate question for all of us. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn it from any human being." Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Interesting verse. See, because he's the king, his disciples are going to be able to advance in battle against the enemy. He says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Now keys is an interesting thing in the first century and the disciples would have got this, but it's something that we don't totally get. But first century rabbis would give a key to a disciple, uh, who, someone who had been under their teaching, someone who had been with them, and, and they would give a key to their disciple who had mastered their teachings. Paul would have been walking around with a key from Gamaliel, right? his, his mentor, his Pharisee teacher that he followed. And so he's saying, listen, it's, it's kind of like getting a diploma when you graduate, right? Someone's walking around with a key, you know that that person, he's mastered the teachings, and not just the understanding, but living and really embodying the, the teachings of the master, and that's why the key was given and he's saying, listen, I'm going to give you the keys. And so the the disciples would have understood exactly what he was saying about those keys, that they are given to those who are in the kingdom. They are given to those who understand the principles and the ways of the kingdom, to those who are committed to live for, to serve for, even to suffer for the kingdom that Jesus is the king, and the kingdom will not expand. He's saying, listen, it won't expand through inactivity. It won't expand through passivity. It it expands because we're going to advance, and I'm going to give you the keys, and you're going to walk with my power. You're going to walk with my authority. You're going to walk with my wisdom. That's why he said, don't go anywhere until the Holy Spirit comes because he's the one that's going to unlock the key to the kingdom. He's going to be the one who is going to help you see kingdom break through. You can't do that on your own. This is why the Holy Spirit is absolutely vital in our lives. He's saying to them, listen, the days of hiding inside When evil rules all around us are over, you're going to be given the keys. You're going to be given the power and the anointing of the kingdom. Submit yourself to the king. Put on the full armor of God, and you will be able to resist the devil and stand your ground. This is what he's saying, right? When the evil comes, you will be able to stand. The shield will block you, but the sword is what advances you forward, right? It is the the weapon. It's the offensive weapon. And so all these things are, 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 are just percolating out of all of this. Jesus is the king of the kingdom who promises to give us the keys and the ability to see the kingdom break through. So that's one. Second, kingdom as a power. He also speaks about kingdom as just, just power. And Paul talks about it a lot as well. Uh, here's a good example. Some 1 uh, Corinthians that you all know this one. A lot of you will know. For the kingdom of God. When you are reading scripture over the next few weeks, read the New Testament, and you just take note of how many times it says The kingdom. You'll be, you'll be shocked. Here Paul's talking about it. For the kingdom of God is not just talk, but it's, it's power. It's living by God's power. So the kingdom is not talk, it's power. So Jesus sends out, you remember the story, it's in uh, the Gospels, it's in several of them, but um, we'll just look at Luke 10 in just a second. But Jesus sends out the seventy two to all of the towns and the villages. So he gives them these instructions. You go and you preach the gospel. You heal the sick. You do your thing. You know, stay with somebody. Take their, you know, take their hospitality. If they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet, all that stuff. And he sends out the 72. And they go out to the towns and the villages and they begin to see signs and wonders begin to happen when they begin to preach in the name of Jesus. See? All of a sudden, kingdom is breaking through. Kingdom is breaking through. Kingdom is breaking through. Kingdom is not just talk. It's power. It's power. Look at Luke ten nine. Jesus said this to them, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. It's here. It's breaking in. It's right here. It's power. When people are healed, when people are saved, When people are experiencing something of the touch of God, it's because the power of the kingdom has come into our earthly realm. He has invaded. He has broken in. He has broken through. He breaks into the strong man's house because he's stronger. He's power. The kingdom is power, right? Right? Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come among you. We may not be able to live yet in the full realm of the kingdom, but we can sure see it break through in power. That's what he says. So it is power. And last, the kingdom as a people. Kingdom as a people. The kingdom also refers to people that's deep, isn't it, refers to people who live under the rule and the reign of the king. We are his subjects. He is our king. He is our master. He is our God and we are his friends. We are his servants. We are his subjects. We are the people of the kingdom. And the Bible talks and refers to the kingdom in this way as well. These kingdom people are the people who respond to the commands and experience the blessings and the benefits and the abundant life that uh, of the kingdom, both now and that is yet to come. It is limited to those who know the king. It's not for everybody. Not everybody gets it. But the kingdom is referred to as the people who respond to the commands and who experience those blessings. So, Here's an example. When the rich young ruler asked Jesus, How can I inherit eternal life? He was a good young man who did good things and gave money away and did everything that he thought he should do. And Jesus asked him, Well, what about this? He said, Yeah, I do, I've done that. What, yeah, I've done that. And then Jesus says, This, okay, how about sell all your possessions and give the money away to the poor? And the rich young man hung his head and he walked away sad, the Bible says. Look at Matthew 6, 24. Then Jesus said these words. No one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, so here's the thing about kingdom people. That's why I bring this up. Kingdom people must not have divided loyalties. We do not serve two kings. Somebody said, there is one, and his name is Jesus. We cannot have divided loyalties. They do not exist in the kingdom of heaven. Nobody else rules there. Nobody else takes priority there but the king. And here he's saying, listen, this young man, though he's a fine young man, He's got divided loyalties. He loves his money too much. And so to be a subject in the kingdom, to be a person in the kingdom, it demands absolute and true loyalty. There cannot be divided allegiances. You cannot walk the fence and one day serve the kingdom of evil or serve your own kingdom and then say, "No, it's Sunday. I maybe I'm going to jump and serve the kingdom of God," you know? And we We tend to jump back and forth, at least some do. And he's saying, listen, that's not not what kingdom people do. Kingdom people are undivided. Kingdom people are pure, loyal, true subjects. They serve one king. They prioritize one king. And so you have to ask yourself, do we love something more than King Jesus? This this guy loved money more. What is it in our lives that is fighting for our loyalty? Kingdom people have one clear priority, and that is to serve the king and to serve the kingdom. And so he's saying and challenging us as, as, as as kingdom people, we can't have divided loyalties. God's subjects or God's kingdom is made up of people who prioritize that as their number one thing over all else, that he is more important to me than money, he's more important to me than relationships, he's more important to me than my job, than my car, than my stuff, he's more important to me than anything. That's a challenge, is it not? We have so many things that pull for our longing, right? But he's saying kingdom people have one priority, and it's the king. So we are citizens of a kingdom that is not from this earth. And one day, we are going to experience it in all of its fullness. You know, when the word says, you're not a citizen here. Your citizenship is in heaven. That's the real kingdom where you belong. We're all aliens and strangers here. Everyone who knows the Lord, we may be Canadians, most of us, but that is, that, that's way down the list. At the end of all time, what's going to matter is, is my citizenship in heaven or is it not? Right? And he's saying, kingdom people, you belong somewhere. And it's not this earth. And it's not the kingdoms of this earth. And one day we're going to experience it all in its fullness. But while we are here, while we're breathing, while we're alive, while he empowers us and gifts us and anoints us and calls us, we have been given the task to live for the kingdom, to pray, your kingdom come, break through, Holy Spirit. Break through and let me see salvation. Break through and let me see healing and deliverance and addictions broken and lives changed, marriages saved, children on fire for Jesus. Break through, kingdom of God. He's saying you have that responsibility. It is ours. It is mine. It is ours together. We have been given this task of spreading the good news of the kingdom, of saying your kingdom come. Break through, O God. Break Break through. One day, one day, but right now, breakthrough, breakthrough. We can enjoy the blessings that it brings into our lives right now, and we can also look forward to the great joy that lies ahead. You see, you win now, and you win later. It's not a bad deal. I hate losing. And I win both ways. We win. We win now and we win later. The blessings that it brings into our lives are now. And yet the deep, deep joy and groaning and longing for the ultimate consummation and fulfillment of the kingdom is something that we can treasure in our hearts. And look forward to on the day of days. On the day that's going to be greater than any other day. When we stand around his throne. As the full kingdom of God is represented together. Billions of people over centuries and thousands of years. And we look and see the king of kings. And the Lord of all lords. Leading his kingdom people. That will be a day. That will be a day. Look at this, and then we're done. Ben, come on back. 1 John chapter 3. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet, I want you to get that, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. That's the forward look. And then here's the now look. And all who have this eager expectation for the kingdom to come will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. Why? Because we have a job to do. Because we have a calling on our lives. Because I'm going to cry out for the Spirit of God to break through and the power of the kingdom and the health and the quality and the freedom and the beauty of the kingdom to break through into a world that is so desperately lost that needs everything that the kingdom can give us. We need every breakthrough we can get. Everyone. May your kingdom Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's just bow for a moment. Father, thank you today. Thank you for this powerful truth about your kingdom it's not something that we talk about maybe a lot but in the next lord few weeks as we look into this help us to be encouraged help us to be encouraged that the kingdom is already and not yet that we live in that sort of conundrum that paradox And help us, Lord, to understand. It's not an iffy thing. Our citizenship is not something that's yet to come. Ephesians, Paul says that you are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Right here, right now, we are your kingdom people. We are living and experiencing your kingdom now. When we see, Lord, your power breaking through. So give us that balanced approach, Lord, as we deal with this subject. And I ask you in Jesus' name that you would inspire us today. If you're here this morning and you know the Lord, be reminded today that you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and that Jesus encourages you and teaches you. Pray, pray your kingdom come because you need the breakthrough. This world needs the breakthrough. Christians pray your kingdom come that God would break through in miracles and see great things done in the name and for the glory of Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know him, if you've never experienced him, if you've never understood Jesus, and his forgiveness and his love, if you've never received him, the kingdom blessings are for those who have received him. So I encourage you today, if you've never received him, receive him. And you'll find, like I say many times, that you're so much better with him than you were without him, that you wonder what took you so long. You wonder why you fought so hard against surrendering and giving your life to Jesus. Giving him a chance to prove that he's real. If you take one step towards him, he comes running towards you. Nobody is ever too far gone or too far lost for the kingdom of God and the power of Jesus to reach down and to bring you back where he wants you to be, to experience life in fullness life with more joy life with more peace life with more abundance that's what he promises he doesn't promise an easy road all the time but he promises to walk with you on that road and to give you the help the wisdom and the strength to make it to be that difference maker here on earth and to see him one day with your own eyes on the other side and so lord Help us all, whatever camp we find ourselves in, to realize that there is a kingdom and we are called into it. So help us today, Jesus. Help us today. Thanks for listening to the Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stovel Pentecostal Church, including service times, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.com. Have a good week and God bless.